0: As the market continues to wait on key inflation data, at least at the recording of this podcast currently right now, there's events that are happening across the board that aren't being looked at because Wall Street is worried about the inflation data, which is fine it's because Wall Street that's what they're focusing on today, but we won't. Today we're going to be talking about how there's new there's more news coming from the EV market and it just seems like a lot of trends are pointing towards the energy market and the EV sector right now, okay? One of the articles we're going to talk about today is called is, "Is How Luxor EV Market Lucid, Lucid Confirms It's On Track to Meet Conservative 2022 Production Targets." And what that could, what that continues to mean for the EV markets in the making. There's big news from Moderno and Merrick, which are jointly developing a cancer vaccine for high risk, high risk melanoma patients, and what that could potentially mean going forward for the cancer industry. Microsoft has two big announcements today. They've unveiled new services, computers, and laptop, tablets, and, ta- and uh, tablets, and also Microsoft has a new app that they've recently launched as well. And we we'll in today's podcast talking about the oil sector, about how Joe Biden is not happy and he threatens consequences against Saudi Arabia after the OPEC cut. I can't wait to talk about that one later in today's podcast. But as I have to remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company, as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please talk to your financial advisor, as they'd understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. Please also, too, if you enjoy this content today, please also like and subscribe to this content so that we can be able to keep growing this channel as much as possible. As this podcast is for information purposes only, I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. The EV maker Lucille confirms it's on track to meet conservative 2022 production target. Luxury luxury maker Lucille Group confirmed Wednesday that it remains on track to produce between 6,000 and 7,000 vehicles in 2022, in line with a more conservative guidance provided to investors in August. Lucille's shares opened more than 5% higher following the news before giving up some of those gains. The stock was up around 2% in mid-morning trading. The company said in a statement that it produced two thousand two hundred eighty-two vehicles at its Arizona factory in the third quarter. It delivered one thousand three hundred ninety-eight vehicles to consumer to customers during that same period. Lucille has t- Twice cut its production guidance for 2022, the California-based startup has originally expected to build 20,000 of its air electric luxury sedans this year. It lowered its target to between 12,000 and 14,000 vehicles in February, saying at the time that global supply chain issues have hampered its ability to obtain basics like glass and carpet. The company reduced its guidance again in August to between 6,000 and 7,000 vehicles for the year, citing logistic challenges as well as ongoing supply chain issues. At the same time, Lucille said it has about 37,000 reservations for the air. Lucille is scheduled to report its full third quarter results after the U.S. markets close on November 8th. Okay. You know, it's probably one of those things where they're trying to prop up the stock immediately currently right now. Just trying to see, get investors excited for the quarter. Something tells me too that the quarter might be not the best. I mean, companies that tend to change their guidances a lot, have a tendency of not performing well when the time comes. So I'm curious to know how this automaker is actually going to report earnings on November 8th. And if you would like to as well, highly pay attention to what these companies report because every time they they make new announcements, it means, at least in my opinion, they don't think they're going to make the guidance or maybe they underestimated what they were going to be able to do that quarter. It's going to be interesting to see how the company reports on, on November 8th. But something I do have to mention, and it's a thought I'm currently having, I wonder out of all these car manufacturers, especially the bigger players, which ones are going to survive this EV market in the making and which ones are going to go under or what small companies are going to get bought out at the end of the day. That's an interesting thought to think about. So, but we'll keep paying attention to the EV markets as as more and more news keeps coming out about it. Onto the health and science sector of CNBC, Moderna and Merrick will jointly develop a cancer vaccine for high-risk melanoma patients. Moderna and Merrick will join uh, will jointly develop and sell a cancer vaccine that is personalized for individual patients, the companies announced Wednesday. Moderna's vaccine, based on its messenger RNA technology, is being studied in combination with Merrick's uh, Keytruda ketur- uh, to treat patients with high-risk melanoma. I think it's Keytruda. Yes, Keytruda, I mean. My bad, Keytruda. The deadliest form of skin cancer in the phase two trial. The companies expect to report data in the fourth quarter of the year. Moderna's stock jumped 16% in morning training before giving up some of that advance. The company's shares were about up uh, were about 10% in the afternoon training. Moderna's vaccine is designed to trigger the immune system to develop killer T cells that target the specific mutations of the patient's tumors tumors. Merrick's uh, Keytruda is a monoclonal ana- antibody administrated as an injection that prevents certain cell proteins from stopping T-cells from going on the attack. The company's original entered the agreement in 2016, but Merrick is now exercising its options through the $250 million payment to Moderna. Uh, Mer- Merrick will collaborate on the development of commercialization of the products. The companies will share all costs and profits equally. Moderna became a household name during the pandemic after the development of one of the most successful vaccines against COVID-19 in collaboration with the U.S. National Institution of Health. But the COVID vaccine is Moderna, only uh, commercially available products. The Boston Biotech Company is under growing pressure to demonstrate how its messenger RNA technology can be developed against other diseases. Moderna expects the 21 billion in COVID vaccine sales this year as it rolls out new booster shots that target the Omicron variant. Uh, Keytruda is Is Merrick's biggest drug, making up 35% of the company's total sales in the second quarter. It has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration as uh, correction has been approved by the drug and the Food and Drug Administration to treat several different types of cancer. You know, I've always wondered why don't these drug companies team up more to solve certain diseases? And honestly, now granted, they probably want to make profits at the end of the day, but it's interesting how when these team ups do happen, it's like, hey, we now are going to be able to help solve more of these cancer cases. And it's also scary to think too, that like, like we just read at the end of the article that Merrick's the, the, 35% of the company's total sales for the second quarter came from Keytruda 35%. Okay. Now, obviously cancer is not going to be going away anytime soon. It's not like the miracle drugs to be coming out anytime soon, but 35, 35% comes from one drug. That's a scary thought to think. I mean, Are they creating more drugs? Who knows? I mean, Moderna is having to create new stuff because COVID is not as big as it used to be, but I mean, 21 billion in COVID vaccine sales this year as it rolls out the new booster shot. Pay attention to these pharmaceutical companies. They have a tendency of showing where markets are going when it comes to the healthcare sector. So it's interesting. I don't know much about the uh, biotech sector as much. I mean, I do invest in some biotech companies, but When I do, it's because it's like, oh, I understand this disease a little bit more. That's how I usually invest is like what companies can be able to make a disease that I completely understand. So, but there's always new diseases out there and these companies will keep forming new drugs. But I think if they form new partnerships, I think new drugs would be made a lot faster. And I think at the same time, I think their profits would increase too, especially if they had to split it with another company, especially if it came up with a cure of certain diseases, like certain cancers. So fun day for the biotech market but i'm glad these two are teaming up to help stop at least one more cancer on the list on to the tech sector now microsoft unveils three new surface face computers laptop tablet and pc microsoft on wednesday unveiled three surface computers as the company celebrates the 10th anniversary of the surface tablet at the event in new york microsoft introduced the surface laptop the surface pro 9 convertible tablet and the surface studio 2 plus all in one pc the Surface Pro 9 and the 13.5-inch Surface Laptop 5 start at 1000 while the Surface Studio 2 Plus starts at 4300 All three ship with Microsoft Windows 11 operating systems, which hit the market last year. All new Surface models will be available in select markets beginning October 25th and in additional markets in coming in months, Microsoft said. Here are the main features of the new devices, and we'll cover a little bit of this. The Surface Pro is Microsoft's cross between a laptop and tablet. It runs on Intel 12th generation processor and now has optional 5G connectivity. The 12th generation should be considerably faster and Intel's 11th generation processor, which is what powered the Pro 8. The Surface Pro 9 13 inch display and comes with a 120HC display. What's disappointing is with the 5G Pro 9 model, doesn't have the Thunderbolt port, which allows for faster file transfers of videos. The the 5G model offers up to 19 hours of battery life. Oh, that's pretty good. Compared with the 16 hours of the Surface Pro 8, the Surface Pro 9 on Intel's Silicon offers up to 15.5 of battery life, okay? Surface laptop, I don't really wanna go into much details on it, but I'll say that it has a battery life of about 17 hours, has new enhanced camera for the face-to-face calls. The Surface Laptop 5 also has a Thunderbolt 4 port for its first time. It connects its laptop to a 4K monitor, charges, and delivers fast data and transfer for large video files. Oh, for moving TV streaming, the Laptop 5 also has a, a Dolby Vision IQ picture quality and Dolby Atmos for upgrade audio quality. And obviously, the Surface 2 Plus is Microsoft's all-in-one desktop PC that will replace the Surface Studio 2 from 2018. Uh, It says users can split the display into four different app windows at once. It comes with the USB-C and Thunderbolt port. Okay, this is my thoughts on this, what these releases. We recently read an article that said that Microsoft was going to struggle when it releases its PCs at the time because of the chip shortages that are happening. I don't think that's the case here. I think Intel and Microsoft are going to continue to do well in this type of environment overall because it's Microsoft and Intel. They have the cash. They can probably just spend more money and be like, okay, we can't get chips from this company. We'll just go to another company to go get it. At least Microsoft has the cash, I believe. I'm not too sure on Intel as much, but the fact that Intel is working with them tells me a lot where the chip market is currently right now. But out of all three of these, I mean, professionals would probably use the more of the, what's it called? The the Surface Studio 2 Plus. And I see a lot of college kids buying the Surface Pro 9 because that's where a lot of this is going, is having the tablet version. Laptops, I don't see that being a huge maker for, for uh, Microsoft in general. But you never know. But what's more interesting too is Microsoft had another announcement today too. It says Microsoft launches Designer, its answer to highly valued startup uh, Canva. Microsoft is launching a simple graphic design app called Designer that will be available for free as part of the Office Productivity software subscription, the company said Wednesday. The software represents an alternative to Canva, a design app bo- boasting more than 100 million monthly active users. Based in Sydney, Canva is one of the world's most valuable startups, boosting at 40 billion post money valuation as of last year. But one of the startup investors, Blackbird Ventures, reported lowered its valuation of the company to $25.6 billion early this year, as inflation and recession fears caused software stock prices to tumble. Microsoft has sought to demonstrate the value of Office subscriptions by adding new capabilities, and early this year, it raised the price of its some bundles amid at business. Office controls the market, and companies are constantly attempting to topple the leader in the category. The closest competitor is Google. On Tuesday, Google Cloud CEO, Thomas Kurian said Workspace has more than 8 million paying subscribers, up to over 6 million as of April 2020. Increasingly, Canva is going after core parts of Office. It introduced the alternative to the PowerPoint slide development program in 2021. And in September, it brought out a tool to edit documents challenging Word. Canva says it has 55,000 paid te- uh, teams using software, including Amazon, Fed- FedEx, PepsiCo, Pfizer, and Salesforce. What is designer app? Microsoft is initially aiming at the consumers, a spokesperson told CNBC in an email, but the application could also prove useful to workers inside of companies, government agencies and schools where Microsoft had a large base of users. Microsoft could expand designer to additional markets, including um, enterprises if they perceive sufficient interest, the spokesperson said. In the current economy, some companies have sought to save money by reducing the number of software providers they count on and adding designer to commercial office subscriptions at some point might help companies cut out payments to Canva, for one. No company is better positioned than Microsoft to help organize, deliver on their digital imperative so they can do more with less, as as Microsoft CEO uh, said on a conference call with analysis in July. The launch of designer might also make Microsoft bump up against Adobe which fields a free Adobe Express tool that features templates and stock images. Canva is where beginners get to get started before they come to Adobe. Adobe's vice president of Investors Relations said at the Bank of America event in January. But Microsoft has a close partnership with Adobe and the two companies have more than 30 product integrations. Adobe remains our key at scale strategic partner and this new uh, consumer design application does not change our engagement with Adobe in any way, Microsoft spokesperson told CNBC in an email. Microsoft, in my opinion, is always going to be a software company at the end of the day. When I worked for my last company, we were using Microsoft Teams, but we also used Microsoft Office and we used Microsoft Outlook. Virtually everything we used was Microsoft-based and software. Now Microsoft is adding a new thing, like we talked about. Designer. To be able to take on the highly valued startup Carvana. Carvana. Canva, I mean, not Carvana, Canva. It's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft is able to continue to push in the software industry. I mean, I personally, like they just kind of mentioned it, they should just bundle the designer app with with Microsoft Teams or Microsoft Office or all the Microsoft programs that you have because eventually companies will just go away from all those other software developments. if they're, Especially if they're cutting costs right now across the board, they can just be like, oh, we need to keep this project? Well, then just use this Microsoft project instead. Now, granted, maybe it's not as good across the board when they're doing their designs, but it helps save companies a lot of money. Microsoft seems to be heading more towards the, we're going to control everything in the software industry and be able to make sure that when recessions hit, we don't get affected. Which is, might be a good strategy at the end of the day, because all these other companies might get affected. But, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how when they were they announced the new products and services for their laptops, surfaces, and just everything they're releasing for hardware, then software is also coming out too at the same time. Maybe they should also make that software part of the computers, like especially now. I would personally put it into their tablets, so that the kids in college start using their. Their current, their current apps now. Then later on, you have ki- you have the kids who enter the workforce start using those apps instead of using the Adobe's or the Canva's. I mean, that's a, probably a better strategy at the end of the day, because a lot of kids are going to tablets, at least from what I've been talking to. So Microsoft, they know what they're doing. They continue to know what they're doing, but they're now trying to compete with Canva. So, because Chris says here too, Canva is going after core parts of office. It introduced an alternative to the PowerPoint slide development. So Microsoft has some competition. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes about going forward. Last thing we'll read about today is on the politics side. and has to do with our lovely oil and gas situation. Where Biden threatens consequences for Saudi Arabia after OPEC cut, but his options are limited. President Joe Biden, this is from CNBC, by the way, President Joe Biden is angry at Saudi Arabia for the decision to slash oil production along with OPEC allies against U.S. wishes, as he made no secret of it. With the global economy on a knife edge and energy prices high, Washington sees the kingdom's move, which made in coordination with Russia and other oil-producing states, as a snub at the blatant display of siding with Moscow. The oil producer group in early October announced its largest supply cut since 2020 in the tune of 2 million barrels per day from November. Which is member? Which members say it's designed to spur recovery in crude prices to counter the potential fall in demand. For this, Biden is in an inter- interview with CNN on Tuesday that there would be consequences. He did not go into further detail as to what those consequences might be, but what the Biden administration options they could could they backfire? Oh, of course they would. Okay, and we'll get into that in a second. Going on to the article says weapons and antitrust laws. The Saudi arabia us relationship was founded, broadly speaking, on the principle of energy for security. Washington has since the 1940s provided billions of dollars of military and security aid to Saudi Arabia, but in recent years, and particularly since the Obama administration began making diplomatic inroads with Iran, the that the U.S. commits to its security has waned. The truth is neither side has been holding up their end of the bargain for nearly 10 years now, said Michael Stevens, an associated fellow of the the Royal United Service Institute of London, told CNBC. Quote, what you're seeing, I think, are permanent fractures in the relationship that are based on the fact that neither side really sees as much strategic benefit in the other as they did 20 years ago, Stephen said, added that Saudi Arabia OPEC oil production cut is a reflection of that. The potential consequences Washington can put in action include cutting its military support to the Saudi kingdom and going after OPEC with U.S. laws. Yes, because OPEC cares about u.s laws they don't give a crap they will find other ways to sell their oil to the united states if need be gosh these idiots in washington continuing on the article is says indeed just one day before biden's comments senator bob mendez a democrat from new jersey chairman and the senate foreign relations committee demanded that the u.s immediately halt all cooperation with saudi arabia including weapon sales Quote, the United States must immediately freeze all aspects of our cooperation with Saudi Arabia, including any arms sales and security cooperation beyond what is absolutely necessary to defend U.S. personal interests, Medina said in a statement. In an earlier interview with CNBC, Senator Chris Murphy, Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, asked, what's the point of looking the other way when the Saudis chop up journalists and uh, repress political speech inside Saudi Arabia? If when the chips are down, the Saudis effectively choose the Russians over the U.S.? Even Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent from Vermont, I guess they're calling him now, weighed in, demanding in a tweet that if Saudi Arabia, one of the worst violators of human rights in the world, wants to partner with Russia to jack up U.S. gas prices, it can get Putin to defend its monarchy. We must pull all U.S. troops out of Saudi Arabia, stop selling them weapons, and end the price-fixing oil cartel. Beyond with withstanding military aid there are legal channels the US government might can pursue one is nopec bill which stands for no oil producing and exporting cartels which would classify OPEC as a cartel and subject its members to antitrust legislation some long discussed by lawmakers the bill is designed to protect US consumers and businesses from artificial um, oil spikes it passed a senate senate committee in early may and hasn't been signed into law but could expose OPEC countries and partners to lawsuits for co- uh, for coordinating supply cuts that raise global crude prices. The bill would still need to be passed by a full Senate and House signed into law by the president to go into effect. OPEC ministers have previously criticized the NOPEC bill, warning it could bring greater chaos to energy markets. Last thing we'll read. The consequences for the U.S. and the crude oil prices. The dis- decision by OPEC Plus, which consists which constitutes OPEC and its non-OPEC allies like Russia to cut its output underscores the extent of which the Biden administration has lost its ability to influence Saudi OPEC plus policy. Uh, The White House has very few good options, despite Biden's warning of consequences. After the cut, he said, noting U.S. lawmakers threats to anti-trust legislation and removal of U.S. military assets from Saudi Arabia. While both courses of the action would send a clear message, this could backfire for both the U.S. and for crude prices. Both of those options would threaten to break already uh, fraught relations, which in turn could put greater upward pressure on oil and fuel prices. In short, a breakdown of U.S.-Saudi Arabia uh, relations would mean a higher Middle East risk premium for the global oil markets and higher oil and fuel prices, he explained. This is the opposite of the White House is trying to achieve ahead a midterm election in November. And there it is. Joe Biden is not happy. He's probably going to lose a lot of seats in the House, potentially. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and the midterm elections. And he's probably going to... He could lose seats in the Senate. He's going to lose one of them, either the House or the Senate at the end of the day. This isn't a political channel, obviously. But The fact that Joe Biden is mad at OPEC+, Plus because it might have a lot of consequences for his presidency. In reality, I still think that... The United States needs to become energy independent again. And honestly, we should be drilling as much as we can in the United States. If you want to end a cartel, you got to flood the market with so much oil that they're not going to be making money off of it. That's how you get rid of competition. is you literally flood the market with your own supply but we can't do that here in the States because president Joe Biden keeps signing these dumb laws that are not allowing us to drill. And then he will use the excuse of like, well, they already have federal land that they can drill on. Well, not when you keep making these ridiculous laws and regulations that how it has to be built on them. That's another issue within itself. Okay. Because this is needs to be pointed out too. Okay. It's also key to note that 2 million barrels per day cut will not, in fact, be as big as the headline figured. Several member states have already been far short of their individual production ceilings. For Iraq, for instance, that indicated will be producing more than its assigned quota, okay? Still, many American politicians have long been out of patience with the nature of the U.S.-Saudi relationship, especially as U.S. imports of Saudi oil have shrunk over the years and more than 80% of Middle East crude exports now go to Asia, Let's read that one more time. 80% of Middle East crude exports now go to Asia. Why are we begging Saudi Arabia for more oil? Why? Why are we cutting our own supplies here within the United States? Something a lot of people should end up doing when they vote in the midterm elections is whoever gets put in, they need to flat out write whoever their representative is and flat out say like, hey, we want to start drilling more oil and you got to get the big man to stop making these, what is it called? The... I can't remember where Joe Biden's been signing executive orders. That's what it is. Whatever executive order Joe Biden's keeps trying to do needs to be somehow figured out how to be overturned. They won't do that. Obviously they keep relying on other countries oils. And this is the end result. When you rely on other countries to be your producer, you're at the knee of that country. And right now the United States, we're kind of feeling it. I mean, to my fellow people who were posting after the election, I'm quite surprised a lot of you aren't reposting photos of what gas prices were when Donald Trump left office. And all honestly, that would be a very interesting take. How can anyone argue that? I mean, that's all I remember a few years ago on social media, people were posting being like, This is oil price, this are gas prices now. What's it gonna be under Joe Biden? You have your end results. Maybe it's time to re-look for those photos. Unless Facebook has taken down a lot of those photos, which wouldn't surprise me if they did. But I mean, at the end of the day, it boils down to this. We can't keep relying on other countries for our oil. We can't. We should be allowing our oil and oil companies here to be able to drill as much as possible. And if you want to protect the environment, fine. There will be another company that will eventually come to fix up the environment issues, if that's really a big issue in the making. The market will correct itself. Always has, always will be. But when 80% of oil and gas right now is going to the Asia countries in the East and not coming to the West, that tells me a lot of what's going on. So, United States continues to be screwed. But hey, oil companies are going to keep making money. So... I'll leave it there. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Like I said earlier, as every like and subscription can help grow this podcast and we'd be able to keep talking about events that Wall Street isn't always willing to be able to talk about. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.